0: Take out on the interstate When I saw her making eyes at me
1: So I followed her down To Clubhouse Drive Hey there, howdy.
2: Thanks for tuning in and thanks for telling a friend that you... Hang out on the other side of Texas. I'm your host, Jay West Texas Leeson. Little sister Lauren Huff is across the way. You want to say hi, Lauren? Hey, how you doing, guys? All right. Sounding a little congested. A
1: little, a little sinus, well, big sinus infection, but yeah, a little congestion.
2: Those big weekends you live <laughs> up.
1: Well, I, I really think it was the change from the humidity to the dry air. Well, blame year. the weather. Absolutely, every time. Blame the weather.
2: Every time. We're broadcasting from the Texas Accessory Depot Studio. You can dig into a couple of things for you know, it is Monday last Friday we had Brock Wagner, who is the founder of Saint Arnold Brewing Company, on the program. Lots of feedback about that program and how in a lot of people's minds you know, I think Brock Wagner made the case for how craft brewers in Texas were getting hosed and uh, we had to edit out a couple of parts. There's there's a beep, I believe, at one yeah. point in in that interview. But strong interview there for you. If you go to iTunes, just pull it up on your phone. Pull it up on a coworker's phone. Just pull their phone away from. Them. Go to iTunes podcasts on their phone and subscribe to them, and you can listen to that podcast there. So um, last weekend. So it's been like birthday, birthday, birthday month for my wife. She turned forty and you know, whenever you turn forty, it needs to be birthday month. Yeah. Not just one day it's but a big deal. the entire month. So like three weeks running now, we've been doing Mrs. Leeson's birthday. And which this last week meant that it was me with four kids. Mm. While she went on a big girls trip to Santa Fe. And I don't know if you've hung out with kids from Friday after work until Sunday evening, like <laughs> one on four. You know, the best way that I can liken it is in the last scene of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. They're pinned down. There are many more people than them, mm-hmm. and they just decide. You know what? We can we can go to Australia if we make it through this, and we'll go rob banks there and. But that was in my mind, like, as Sunday morning grew into afternoon, I just thought, this is what they felt like. Because you're outmanned, you're outgunned, and and they have all the control. These kids have all the control. And <laughs> so they run out in the street in a blaze of glory, and, and that's kind of... Whoa, whoa, but speaking of blaze of glory.
1: Mm-hmm. At what,
2: what age, little sister, do you think daughters become embarrassed of their fathers
1: oh Um, probably like I used to be when I was in middle school once I got to about the 8th grade I was kind of ready for my dad to not drop me off so much
2: anymore so 4th grade did it kind of begin in the 4th grade or was it later
1: it was later, just because my dad was overseas for so long when I was young. But so
2: it's fair to say that with a ten-year-old like my oldest, uh-huh. my little Grace, I've begun to see her cheeks blush. <laughs> like I'm in full dad joke mode, <laughs> and I can tell that it's really grinding her gears, and I kind of get I mean, it, kind of, kind of excites me, and so. That she's
1: getting embarrassed. Yeah, and oh so I'm my like, gosh. okay.
2: Because, look, if you want to have a cool cool dad contest, like, I will get in that contest <laughs> for they Uh uh-huh. But I also know that I can really grind their gears. Right. And um, so I, I just said blaze of glory, and it just occurred to me that on the way home, we were on the way home from a talent show last week. I think it was on Thursday night. I went and emceed it with my friend Phil Scoville. Mm-hmm. Great kicker for Texas Tech. Ooh. Just kidding. He was a great... Great wide receiver, nice <laughs> stick. But on the way home, it was going through my random music that I bought on Bluetooth yeah. through my phone, and Bon Jovi came up. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do to my daughter right now is say, "What five words? What five words?" And she will get really blush and she'll say, "I'll be there for you."
1: Uh, okay. So,
2: she's right at that right age. And so, I start singing that to her, like, Bring it on,
1: give me one more chance, girl! Oh. <laughs> I'll be there for you!
2: And she's just riding in the passenger seat, just with her head in her hands. Like, make... This stop, and so I've gotten off on like this thing in the morning. I have to go wake her up in the morning. She likes for me to do like I hate to get way into the Lisa and Ponderosa here, but she likes to be woken up with Dad pulling on her ear earlobe. Like she likes me to pull on her ears and just not pull, pull, but just kind of rub, and that's kind of. She's really delicate in the morning. <laughs> she's a little debutante in the morning, uh-huh. and <coughs> so. I, d- I still do pull on her earlobes, but I go in with my phone in the mornings, mm. blaring, I'll be my there for daddy. you. And, and she she's like it. pulling, <laughs> no, she just not like, she's like pulling anything that's solid or like pillows, teddy bears, huge stuffed dogs over her head,
1: go away, go away,
2: anyway, blaze of glory. So I
1: will say, I feel like the youth these days are a little bit more grown up probably than I was at 10 years old. Because the iPads and the data,
2: you know, all that stuff. Yeah, well, she she certainly embarrassed my. Dad. <laughs> I'll give her that. So like on Friday night, I do what any dad does and goes goes to iTunes to movies that are like, what have they not seen? Because they've seen them all. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to plan out a good weekend, and so we do peter rabbit on friday night and then on saturday the weather was so bad and like we had like anti-chamber of commerce weekend i love it last week like on friday it was so bad yeah and it, but oh but we're gonna get all this rain i know and it rained like a hundredth of an inch <laughs> and then so on saturday the weather finally calmed down enough that we cooked on the pelvic grill and mm-hmm. and we had we played some football and then by sunday i'm like tapped out and you know just like butch cassidy and sunday's kids sweating and bloody and maimed there i am
1: <laughs> oh my gosh
2: and uh hadn't slept in three days and you know i just i think about them saying to one another you didn't see the fours out there did you and uh, you know, I just blazed out and luckily here was my saving grace was that I was sitting with the boys and we were you know, we played some games, we were talking and I said, because it's so, because I don't want to be, like, screen dad guy. Like, mm-hmm. go away. Here's an iPad. Right. Here's an Amazon Fire. Just go away. Da-da. Yeah. And I'm engaging them. And, like, Sam says, mm-hmm. all out of the blue, Dad, let's have an arm wrestling contest. And I said, did you know that there was a movie about arm wrestling? And he's like, no, there's not. I said, yeah. And Rambo is on in it. And oh, he's really? like, what? Yeah, over the top. That's and awesome. so. So we fire up over the top, and they are like, loving, like, truckers and wrestlers and Rambo, <laughs> Rocky. Yeah, like, they're that's, loving it. It's all boy. That's straight their gig. Yeah. All oh boy. So, anyway, that's that's what uh, dad life was like.
1: Uh, when the, how old were you when you had your first kid?
2: When I had my first, we had our first child, I think I was, um, that was 2006, so 25. So you were 25? What?
1: Um, that was 2006 God, feel, To me, I feel like 26. Um, 2006 was then, five years ago.
2: But then, no, well, that was late 2006, mm-hmm. and then within 20 months we had two more kids, so it kind of came suddenly. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, speaking of all this, and I've got lots of things here on my iPad in front of me, uh, the iPad Pro, but I was noticing this morning that mm-hmm. speaking of survival mode, the Chicago Sun now listen, we do a show called mm-hmm. on the of Texas. I'm gonna bring this home to roost, but get into some national stuff for just a moment. The Chicago Sun Times this morning printed a front page that was completely blank. Completely blank. And then the social media post was, Today's front page is a reminder that without your support, we won't survive. Please go to our website and learn how to subscribe for it as little as 25 cents a day. Print media in this country is in crisis, and there's no doubt about that. Nothing. a lot of it has to do with a digital disruption. Like we call these kids today millennial, like you little yeah, I'm a millennial. No, we shouldn't call you you're a digital. And so you you're caught up kind of in a very disruptive generation. There are lots of people, uh, lots of people that still take up a daily hard copy paper. But by and large, people are trying to move into it. Di- so I don't even take the daily paper. And, but now I do subscribe to Love the Love Avalanche Journal, mm-hmm. and I can read it in a great format that's laid out just like the paper on my iPad. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the disruption. But I'm just really captivated by this survival. Like that
1: was bold. Well, and it was. I think it was pretty cool. It that they been. that. <coughs> well. <laughs>
2: There's also a crisis in media because you can always point at and this isn't just print, but print takes the bulk of it, of fake news. Uh, that in a technological age in these multiple multiple platforms, you know, it's that, is there a universe or a multiverse and that's kind of the cultural battle right now is you know, if you hold to a universe, then you know, you still have, in a lot of ways, there's still editors that that lay out for you what the day's news are but then you can go online and it's everywhere it's right. not just you know the top 25 stories from the day it's everything that's out there and i the think about this and i need to close this up in the next couple of minutes but you know whenever whenever you had you know this is the story of, of media of the news industry there was uh, originally every paper was propaganda Whether that's Kansas City Star, the uh, the New York papers they were they were in a propaganda mode but then as you moved into the mid-century Cronkite, all that sort of stuff then you had to be objective but then you get into the internet age mm-hmm. and media became complicit in and i mean like the 2000s the turn of the century media became complicit because stories that affect like 0.002 percent of the population became mainstream and a lot of people began to react to those things which makes makes sense of of this profitability in that clicks on things of consequence like what your local planning and zoning committee were doing unless they were building a casino or a bar in your neighborhood things that could affect your property value or a water reclamation plant that was upwind of you then you didn't pay much attention to that. but you know what you did pay attention to was what what bill clinton did with a cigar in the oval office like that's a lot sexier no pun intended than what's going on at the pnz and so that became the mood of the day was well we got to get these sorts of things that play so well and then obama I, w- I would really point him out. He began to dismantle dismantle this as much as anybody. And when I say dismantle, what I mean by that is Obama. One thing he said that I completely concur with is that we can no lo- we no longer hold to a shared set of facts. But Obama himself helped dismantle these facts, and you know you look no further than in in 2016, his Department of Education and his Department of Civil uh, Civil Rights, well, was the Department of Justice, issued a letter that gave strong guidance to provide restrooms to transgender, quote-unquote transgender children, and that was a real problem, and so then you had this knee-jerk in the Texas legislature against it, and even when there was new administration, they took it down. and. You know, I'm just getting way into the woods here, but look, I grew up whenever there were two genders. Now it seems like there were 59. And have you heard of this thing called cisgender? Cisgender is like a person who, who sense a personal identity and gender correspondence with their birth sex. And now people roll, I guess cisgender, that's me, and they roll that up. But look, this whole digital disruption in the Chicago Sun-Times front page, media has to really come to grasp with two things. One, the media disruption. And if you're going to do good media in this country today, run things that apply to more than 0.02% of the population. And that's the bottom line. And, you know, I have a lot more to say about that, but... If you want 25 cents a day from a lot of people, run stories that matter. And not just spectacularized national stories, run good local content and run stories that matter to the majority of the country and the region. And then you're going to have some good media play out. And that's just the word from other side of Texas. He is the editor of QuorumReport.com and weekly guests on the other side of Texas. Scott Braddock, welcome in. How are things? Things are, well, I guess
0: they're good, Jay. How are your things? <laughs> Everything's great. The things around here seem just fine.
2: My wife came home from Santa Fe. I'm not surprised that she came home. I'm just glad that she's home. So, Let me
0: put it this way. The things seem to be in order.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So, Scott Braddock, you and I talk Texas politics every week and we have for a long time except for my break whenever I thought I was going to get in Texas politics I thought you know what I have a I I can serve a better purpose so far as serving is concerned but what I'd like for you to do as you just intro today is to talk about why and you may or may not concur but texas government in my mind state government is the most consequential form of government that texans experience day to day tell me why you do what you do at quorum report and if you also believe that the higher highest consequence of government for texans is state government
0: I think that's at least partially right, because the two forms of government that are closest to the people are the local governments and the state government, and you've got the federal government that's far away, but they're making all these decisions that do impact us, so it is all important, of course, Uh, but as you have noted on social media and on your radio show, uh, the state government is trying to uh, just consume more and more power. They're trying to consolidate more and more power in Austin. In fact, There are some lawmakers in Austin who believe that local government is so subservient to uh, state government that it almost might not even need to exist that they ought to just make all the decisions for everybody in Texas at the Capitol in Austin. I would disagree with that, and I think you would too. Um, But uh, that's where the debate is happening right now. And uh, when it comes to a whole host of issues uh, that you and your listeners care about, whether it's public education, the argument over school vouchers, whether it comes to uh, regulations dealing with uh, agriculture, whether it deals with uh, you know the, uh, the the water situation, infrastructure, roads, all the things that um, impact our daily lives. Uh, there are so many decisions that are being made in Austin, and if some people get their way, more of those decisions will be made in Austin. So it couldn't be a more critical time to be talking about it at QuorumReport.com. Of course, we cover it down in the weeds, which I know you like to do as well uh, here on the radio. Um, and uh, we're down in the weeds, QuorumReport.com. If people want subscriptions. They can get them at quorumreport.com. And I have made this offer before for people on the show. I'll do it again. Uh, For for the listeners of the other side of Texas, if if people uh, want a free one-month trial run, go to quorumreport.com, click subscriptions, hit subscribe, and if they hit bill me, they'll get an invoice. They get a free month. If they don't pay the invoice, we'll cut them off after a month because, of course, we are just ruthless capitalist jailies free marketers they're yes. Mm-hmm. It's true yes true free market
2: principles are yeah working. well i i just think that people don't appreciate how much state government directs their day in and day out and mm-hmm. whether that's you know we get into local property tax payers residential property owners um, beginning to absorb the costs of of shortages on state mandates and this that and other for education or in indigent, indigent defense or whatever the case might be and uh, that's why we take up state government here on the radio because we want people to be informed as to what's going on and so glad that we've got folks like Scott Braddock who come on and talk about it so let's get into an issue that's really beginning to rev up and it is 2018 but redistricting is just around the corner, Scott Braddock. Tell us what listeners out this way on the Yano and up into the Caprock and down the Basin can expect with redistricting as it stands right now at the Capitol.
0: Well, of course, we could not have picked a more fascinating topic, right? If you want to see people's eyes glaze over, start talking about redistricting (laughs) the uh, United States Supreme Court tomorrow uh, is going to take up a case that's about seven years in the works now has to do with our political boundaries in the state and you know if you think about it uh, from the standpoint of who makes the rules in politics who sets uh, you know the guidelines for uh, how the game is played in the first place that's what redistricting is all about I mean the, the civics class is this uh, the census happens every ten years they count everybody and of course there's a big controversy with the census this uh, coming time uh, because they'll be asking a citizenship question uh, which is a whole nother controversy but they do the they do the census they count everybody and then that uh, you know that tally is used to determine uh, where the district lines are drawn uh, for our state representatives for our state senators our congressmen etc And it it could not be more important because um, this is a case of the politicians picking their voters instead of the voters picking their politicians. Catch that? It's it's Mm -hmm. the opposite of of the way that a lot of people think things are supposed to work. Um, And in this case, it's going to be before the Supreme Court tomorrow. Uh, It is alleged that uh, Texas lawmakers, uh, and uh, by the way, some courts have found this, and we'll see what the Supreme Court has to say, uh, that Texas lawmakers discriminated against minorities when drawing certain uh, legislative uh, and congressional districts, and these districts have to do, uh, these districts are in uh, Austin here where I am, then uh, down in South Texas, and then uh, there are some legislative districts uh, up in DFW. But it does have, uh, and down in Corpus Christi as well, and it does have uh, some, Ripple effects around the state as well. Uh, for exactly what the balance of power is at, at the capital in Austin, as we started off talking here, you know, it's the state government that's making so many decisions about taxes you pay the roads you drive on the schools that your kids go to etc uh, and this is really setting the playing field uh, for you know who's going to be in the legislature and in Congress in the first place uh, to make those decisions now this case that's going before the Supreme Court tomorrow has to do with racial discrimination as I mentioned we'll see what the justices have to say uh, but the, the court is also looking at a couple of other cases this year um, that have to do with whether or not uh, lawmakers in a couple of other states uh in Wisconsin for example uh, whether they went too far in making the districts too partisan whether they made the districts too republican uh and it seems that the justices uh think that that might be a slippery slope uh based on their comments during the hearings on that and and you know some of the comments from the justices have, you know were along the lines of well you know if uh If we're supposed to insert the courts uh, into these uh, situations where some people say it's too partisan, uh, well, we could be getting involved in everything because people can always say that uh, any political argument is uh, too partisan. Uh, What the courts over the years have uh, definitely been consistent about, Jay, is that lawmakers are not allowed to discriminate on the basis of race and ethnicity, uh, and that's pretty well defined. Uh, in case law now so it's not to say that these, this case is easier than those others um, but there certainly seems to be more of a legal framework in place for the justices to decide this uh, and going forward it will be very important because the next time that uh, lawmakers in texas uh, do a redistricting redraw those maps again uh, will be coming up not in this next session uh, in twenty nineteen but in the session after that in
2: 2021. 87th legislature scott braddock joining us here On other side of Texas, Cindy Ash, who is a candidate for Texas GOP chairman, Mm -hmm. came to town last week, and Uh, we were there. She
0: made... We were reporting live from the scene.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I like to think of myself as like a columnist, opinion guy, but whenever you get a lead that something could go down, you show up, and so she made some allegations about... The current Texas GOP, man, uh, GOP man, Texas GOP chairman, James Dickey, yeah. that uh, he had some securities fraud charges brought up against him and made a case that we never vetted him. Uh, what do you think about what Cindy Ash laid out and is it going to have legs going forward into the summer when delegates choose the next Texas GOP chairman?
0: Of course, the uh, Republican Party of Texas Convention coming up in the summer, as you mentioned, the uh, delegates will have the first chance to vote on uh, James Dickey as the chairman. Uh, the state Republican executive committee uh, installed him last year after the former chairman, Tom Meckler, stepped aside.
2: So it was essentially a special election.
0: It was basically, yes. So the, and uh, you know the, the delegates have not weighed in on him uh, just yet. Uh, you know, the party activists from all over the state will gather in uh, where in uh, San Antonio this year uh, as they do the state Republican convention uh, but Cindy Crocker Ash who you're talking about who came to Lubbock last weekend uh, said look he wasn't uh, vetted uh, you know by the entire uh, Texas Republican party uh, he was only looked at by the state Republican executive committee and that at least is uh, just on its face uh, a fair uh, assessment um, you know that's the way it went down and you know it's not that he did anything wrong and says that uh, Dickey should not be trusted with the party's finances. This was the quote, and this was tweeted by Jay Leeson in Lubbock. Uh, This disqualifies him to represent RPT to donors and investors, and what she's talking about uh, is that uh, a few years back uh, in 2004 there was a case uh, against Jim Dickey and one of his um, business partners that was brought by the Securities and Exchange Commission. This is a civil proceeding. He said uh, it's far from shirking responsibility. Mr. Dickey uh, fully cooperated with the SEC. Um, I have the uh, legal documentation, and you've seen it as well. It's posted to QuorumReport.com. Um, Mr. Dickey uh, did pay out uh, a settlement, so $35,000 that he paid out in installments back to the government um, after uh, making what the government said was misrepresentations to his uh, investors in this. that uh, They had about 30 investors in this hedge fund, um, and it about whether or not uh, somebody uh, should be uh, put in charge of a huge fundraising operation, because what is a hedge fund? It's a fundraising operation meant to uh, make money for its investors. The Republican Party of Texas is a uh, machine, just like the Democratic Party is a machine, it's a machine designed to raise money and help uh, elect Republican office officeholders uh, across the state. Um, and uh, what Dickie said, Um, about his, uh, you know, re-election effort uh, was that, uh, look, he's uh, talked a lot about integrity and the desire for truth, transparency to win out. Uh, Quote, I could not agree more with those sentiments, and I have worked here uh, hard in the last 10 months to bring the highest level of transparency to the party in all that we do as far as finances, the convention, primaries, meetings, and the day-to-day operations. Uh, But uh, his uh, challenger says he can't be trusted. She's going to go after him hard, apparently. And this is just the opening salvo, Jay, and what could turn into quite a nasty race uh, for the uh, chairmanship of the Republican
2: Party of Texas. It was really interesting being there. And she broke that news for the first time. You know, news that was there, I guess, at the top of page two at Google that that nobody looked at at the time in which Dickey was elected, uh, special elected by the, by the SREC. But it was to watch her... Lay that out in a political framework. Uh, She began. She she pivoted from the troubles that the Texas GOP is having in its financial obligations and in its uh, donorship, and then segued into Dickey's SEC uh, troubles, and then said that he's disqualified from representing the Texas GOP with donors and investors and I thought made a pretty good political case and if the Lubbock GOP is any indication based upon the response that she got and actually to be candid I don't think that she would have had to have said that that there's that much groundswell against Dickey at this point but she just helped bring about the case
0: There are other questions about Chairman Dickey's uh, leadership uh, the fact that he is Uh, close to uh, some of the third-party groups uh, that we've talked about many times on this program, including Empower Texans, Texas Right to Life, uh, some of those that don't disclose uh, their donors or at least don't disclose their donors in full. Uh, That has a lot of uh, delegates uh, to the Republican Party of Texas asking questions. Um, It's fair to point out that uh, Chairman Dickey uh, was uh, basically being led around the room by the Texas Right to Life folks when he was elected, at the state Republican Party, uh, at the Republican Executive Committee uh, last year. I was there for that, uh, and I can tell you that one of his first acts, uh, one of his first official acts as chairman, uh, was to select Trey Trainer, who has been an attorney for Empower Texans, uh, to make him uh, one of the attorneys for the Republican Party of Texas. So that raised quite a few eyebrows. Well, let's segue in Braddock on Texas here. Even though
2: she's not on a ballot, Hillary Clinton is the star. Now, in speaking national terms of the GOP midterm plan, what do you make of that?
0: Well, it's interesting. You know, you had two uh, nominees uh, for president last year, and this is something we've talked about on the program previously. Two nominees who had historic negatives. uh, You know, the very high negative numbers for both President Trump and for Secretary Clinton at the time. Uh, and no matter which one of them ended up as president, and we know how it played out, but no matter which one was going to win, uh, we knew that the person who was going to be in the White House was going to be one of the most unpopular presidents, uh, you know, right out of the gate, uh, without even doing anything yet, because they they had uh, suffered so many um, uh, attacks, uh, both of them, and and in some cases, uh, self-inflicted uh, wounds uh, for both of them. Uh, well, look, uh, Republicans are still, uh, you know, using. Uh, Secretary Clinton uh, as uh, the bogeyman uh, going into November. Uh, it's interesting because you know she's not on the ballot and she's not in office at all. Uh, and you know I swear where somebody the uh, just yesterday uh, was uh, pointing out that uh, Beto O'Rourke, who you've talked about and talked with uh, here on the program, uh, has brought up President Trump at some of his campaign events. Um, and this was a reporter from the Houston Chronicle, Jeremy Wallace, who tweeted this out and said that uh, at some of these O'Rourke events uh, where he's talking to uh, Democrats and some independents, and I don't know, maybe even some Republicans who might show up for some of his stuff. I can't imagine there's too many of them. But um, but anyway, for the, for the de- largely Democratic crowds that are showing up, um, President Trump isn't someone that people are a lot upset about at some of these events. In fact, uh, O'Rourke goes out of his way to talk about how he has worked with the president and gotten him to sign some of his legislation, and that gets a it's an applause line. Yeah, and uh, it's the Democratic crazy. Cloud. With
2: me, let me just interject Did here. He talk about that. Yeah, I mean he he didn't run down Trump with me. He said, "In in Donald J. Trump, our president signed off on his VA bill." Yeah. And, and, and just to segue there, not a negative, or like glowing reviews of John Cornyn, mm-hmm. the senior senator from Texas. And I thought O'Rourke was really smart in taking those, because he's going to have to have a lot of Trump voters
0: in order to overcome
2: Cruz. Right. And, you
0: know, I mean, there's, I can't imagine that it's uh, going to be a lot of Trump voters who would. Crossover and vote for a Democrat, but we'll we'll all watch this as it unfolds. But I bring it up to make the point that, that you know a lot of folks have talked about Trump being uh, a drag on Republicans, and I think in some districts that may be true. Uh, in places like Dallas, in places like Houston, uh, where Pete Sessions and John Culverson, respectively, are uh, facing Democratic challenges in the fall, the president may cause some problems for them. Uh, but in other places, it just couldn't be um, further from the truth, as far as what some folks are saying in Washington about President Trump being such a problem uh, for Republican officeholders and being such a punching bag, you know, at the local and state level, uh, in a lot of cases, and this is why I bring up the overwork example. Um, it's not people that people are even all that upset about President Trump. Uh, you know, it, you, in that case, you have a Democrat bringing him up as a positive. So, um, in the meantime, uh, the Republican Party still. To to take it back to your question, the Republican Party is still pointing to Secretary Clinton as a boogeyman and, in some cases, uh, having some success with that. You know, I've seen some polling that shows um, that, and this is the short version, that that shows that uh, President Trump's numbers are very specific to him. People either really like him or really don't, but it doesn't necessarily transfer to other candidates. Uh, One way to explain that is, you know, if you were to say uh, that Jay Leeson is President Trump's puppet. People wouldn't care. You know, you, you might see a political ad where somebody might say, "So and so is President Trump's, uh, you know, puppet," mm-hmm. and the voters just wouldn't respond to that. They wouldn't respond to it nearly as much as they would if you said, "So and so is is Hillary Clinton's puppet or Nancy Pelosi's puppet." <laughs> um, in in the case of those uh, uh, political figures, um, the negatives of Pelosi and Clinton uh, both do transfer. The people that you accuse of being their puppet, uh, and for whatever reason, it just hasn't been true. Sure President Trump—he kind of stands or you know sinks or swims on his own.
2: Yeah, well, this is good analysis there at Scott Braddock on Twitter, and again, free month at quorumreport.com dot com for other side of Texas listeners. Braddock, what else are we working on here?
0: Well, we'll be watching those uh, Supreme Court arguments very closely uh, tomorrow. I can tell you that that's got me very busy. Also, uh, there are some uh, interesting discussions coming up this week on uh, school finance and uh, also the hidden property. I'll be uh, waiting to update everybody on the radio next week. And
2: in the meantime, again, at Scott Braddock on Twitter. Thank you, Scott Braddock. Have a good week.
1: Thank you, Jay Lee. Talk soon.
2: All right. Over the weekend, the KTXS, ABC affiliate out of Abilene, Texas, ran a piece on an Empower Texans candidate. And if you're new to the program, Empower Texans, that's a red flag. I want you to listen to how they described it. I may cut it a little bit short, but they ran a story on a guy who ran on Empower's talking points in a local election. All politics are local. And the thing is is that Locally, and I don't care if you're Abilene or Floyd County or Lynn County, doesn't matter. You elect people based upon their character more than anything else. And locals know the character of people locally, and he tried to inject some points and listen to the story yourself. KTX out of Abilene well a brownwood mayoral candidate apologizing to his opponent today for
1: comments he made at a recent forum which also got him booed by that crowd ouch it all centers around a question regarding the candidates affiliation with a conservative political group in texas k texas reporter joshua Piguero has more
2: on Tuesday, Mike Tittle and Stephen Haynes took part in a political forum held by the Pecan Valley Republican Women's Group. Moderator Lila and Acker asked both candidates about Empowered Texans, an influential conservative political group that is funded by oil and gas billionaires. What of While Haynes denounced the Nassau group, Tittle says he supports their
1: values. But the tone quickly changed once Tittle criticized Haynes. Um, not sure why the mayor is so deep. yes, God.
2: Fame. Fame. Wow. So that's how that thing goes. And uh, look, my memo to local broadcasters in other sides of Texas, and Abilene is another side of Texas, Brownwood. Look, <laughs> to call a group like that conservative. Is like calling a woman of the night a debutante or elegant or even Mother Teresa it's not concerning mean, maybe the adjective that if you need to describe them in one term for TV time to make it succinct and to the point maybe shysters maybe verminesque. but to call them concerning. look this group and I wrote about this it's on the other side of Texas.com had a consultant running campaigns 11 different races in which big packs voucher packs empowered texans itself and another pack they were under reporting now you tell me like conservative means we're upright we're honest and we're going to stand on principle what is standing upright on principle and being transparent about these PACs giving all this money and then the candidates themselves under-reporting. That's not on principle and that's not transparent. And yet it happened in 11 races. It's documented there at OthersideofTexas.com and, you know, they even got... This is a story that people are going to find out later, but they got involved in the Lubbock County Commissioner's race. For what reasons? I think it tends to to be tangential to a state senator who can't get a road done in front of Cooper High School and so he had to get an empowered guy in place to help him rattle some funds out of the county. Uh, A a road like one Bob Duncan got done a few years ago, well a few years ago, 20 years ago, in front of Friendship Road, extended that four lanes, but that's a whole other we really, we probably will do a show on that, but if you're going to use the word conservative, it Ought to be con conservative because that's how these guys roll and so look local news affiliates that's not there are a lot of things you can call it but I don't think you can call it conservative number two up uh, in our news rundown here and look I'm going to put this in the category of the little sister love line we talked about <laughs> getting little sister Lauren Huff her man here <laughs> on the show I've got a nominee man bitten by shark, bear, and snake in less than four years. Shark attack in Hawaii earns 20... He's
1: 20 he's years a old. survivor. So a little bit younger than he's me. He's a lot younger than me. No, Not a lot. He's four years younger he's than me. It's so kind of stupid. a big deal. <laughs> so Dylan McWilliams.
2: Go ahead and write that down, little sister. Okay, got it. Dylan McWilliams. I'm going to Facebook A up. dubious distinction. The Colorado he, man. He's in Colorado. We're not far away. It says that he spends a lot of time outdoors. And I would think that if he got mm-hmm. bit by a shark, bear, and snake in less than four years. So since he was 16.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been just so doing it better. a man. Out to the wild, right?
2: McWilliams was bitten by a shark on Thursday. Last Thursday in Hawaii. And he said, quote, I don't know. I'm either really lucky or unlucky. Not su- surprisingly, the 20-year-old from Grand Junction. So even... That's even
1: better. He's a Texan.
2: <laughs> by extension. <laughs> uh, it says that he spends a lot of time outdoors. In Thursday's attack, about 50 yards from Shipwrecks Beach, McWilliams suffered deep cuts to one of his legs, but the injury wasn't life-threatening. The Hawaii News Now reported. A Texan by extension. Did Bear County go all the way to, Col- to Grand Junction? Maybe at one point in time he was a Texan
1: maybe at one point yeah but that gives him higher marks. that's what my marks. dad would call a real man <laughs> seriously one that could take something okay so like we that. do
2: have somebody in the running uh, <laughs> the Laredo here's my here's my other contestant for okay. you okay although he's jailed he's jailed imprisoned fairly sp- imprisoned you tell me, the Laredo Morning Times. An ex-employee of Cameron County Juvenile Detention Center was sentenced Friday to 50 years in prison for pilfering more than $1.2 million worth of fajitas.
1: Worth of fajitas? $2
2: million worth of fajitas? 1.2. Now, sir, that may put him on the leaderboard, a man who would pill for $1.2 million worth of did did
1: it say in the article he pleaded
2: guilty in the 107th state district courtroom in Brownsville Texas authorities turned Escamilla Escamilla last year after a driver from the Labatt Food Service in Harlingen informed the Daryl B. Hester Juvenile Detention Center kitchen staff of a 800 pound delivery that apparently never arrived. So Gilberto apparently uh, in a high stakes deception which totaled $1,251,587 worth of fajitas over 9 years. In a tearful admission of guilt, Gilberto testified that what had begun small had spiraled out of control. It was selfish, he said. It got to the point where I couldn't control it anymore.
1: Wow, he had an addiction to... Tortillas. Yeah, I mean truly, that's yeah. what that was.
2: So uh, maybe he gets on the little I mean, sister maybe level on leader board. We
1: got to do twelve step program or something ever tortillas. Yeah.
2: So there are lots of things we pass over here. Boy, <laughs> oh, now do we have blue collar Bill on the line? I believe we do. Blue
1: no. collar Bill. Hey, what's going on? How are things, bud? Oh, good. Just out here working.
2: You just watching this world, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm out there every day, buddy.
2: Yeah. Out there on the blue-collar street. You know, I don't I mean that you've got clothes on, but uh, tell me tell me something that you've been watching since you were with us last Monday. What are some things yeah, that really got you I've been watching grinding some your some
1: of, Yeah, some of our local politics are, are, are starting to wear me out. In love. So. It. I don't, love it. Yeah. I don't understand this proposition A and and, and and why our city council believes uh, that the Coliseum must either sit empty ninety nine percent of the time and not make us any money or just be given away. Okay, so to, for for
2: our listeners who may not be listening in Lubbock, there's a proposition on the ballot. Lots of people have drawn it up as like Lubbock's Astrodome vote where we can vote to abandon the Auditorium Coliseum historic menu in Lubbock, uh, historic asset in Lubbock, I could say it that way too, but we can just vote to give it up to Tech and Tech will absorb the full cost of demolition. That's correct.
1: Okay. That's correct. And uh, I've got some, some, some issues with, 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 with some of the numbers and some of the math. Um, uh, you know, the police cited a uh, uh, reason for abandoning the Coliseum is it $700,000 a year uh, budget for upkeep and maintenance. Guys, this is a brick and concrete building. It may be entirely concrete, brick, and some steel folding seats, and a rubber roof. Does the City Council really expect us to believe they're spending $58,333 a month uh, maintaining that building? I mean, come on. Hmm. They need to go sell that to their mother. I'm not buying it. I'm not dollars a month. I mean, let's do the math. That's $15,000 a week, Jay, to maintain the college. No, the wants to sleep.
2: Okay, so let's back away from that I'm saying I want to play devil's advocate here. Because this is a question. I've not voted yet. This is a question I have in my mind, blue-collar bill. But if, if it is what they say it is okay if it's not okay but my deal looking at this thing is that a vote to preserve it is a vote to put at least 25 million dollars into it are you casting that vote saying i'm for updating this to ada standard uh, for replacing i guess all the hvac replacing great gold electric plumbing down the line, are you for putting $25 million into those facilities in order to update them to code?
1: Well, if, if, if we can put together a, a viable business plan to put that facility to work like other cities do, uh, but the reason that facility sets empty and the reason our, all of our arenas set empty is because we charge egregious uh, ticket fees uh, for select fee and some egregious access fees to the, to the arenas. So that's why all the cities around us get all the shows up since we've empty. But they do so, get the yeah, shows. Yeah, so if we that, can put together a business plan to put it to work, let's look at the math. Maybe we should put it to work and, and preserve that historic venue because it is a huge piece of public history.
2: Okay, so like the Lion King came in and from what I'm told, told city leaders the musical Lion King, we'll never do another show in this venue. And that to say, whenever the big acts, especially the big country acts, and some of them are bro-country, but I'll, I digress, they go to the United Supermarkets Arena, not to the Auditorium Coliseum.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, they do. They
2: do. So what can be done viably there at this point, is my question.
1: Uh, I don't know. I mean, have got all kinds of, of dirt sports and tractor pulls and dirt vibration and lesser Uh, what their musical acts, I mean, almost every every 80s metal band that we grew up with is out on tour, and they're playing venues just like that. You know what would be a good, if you did
2: like once a quarter an automotive repair show for millennials at the Coliseum, hey, look, now we're making money. The blue-collar bill, this is how you fix things tour.
1: Oh, you could you could do car shows there. You, uh, you could do the gun shows there. No, I'm talking about
2: blue collar bill shows. Oh, we can do the blue collar bill show there. So you're giving that that vow to Lubbock City Council right now that you will do a fix things with blue collar bill. Fix your jet skis. Fix your mother-in-law's car. We can fix anything. Twenty bucks a ticket. I'll show you how.
1: No, we can do it. We can set up booths and we can have an area for your boat, an area for your car, an area for your four wheel drive, an area for your jet ski. All right. Get it done, blue collar bill. <laughs> no, that's I I, I just have some concerns about that. And I have concerns about the seven hundred seven hundred thousand dollar a year budget to maintain. So I, I don't buy that and I I, I I don't feel that is a valid excuse for for dumping the building because I don't believe that's a valid number. And stack that on top of the fact that these guys now want to build a $50 million hotel full of rooms and equipment and bedding and carpet and drapes and a shower and a sink and a toilet and every room. If this costing you $700,000 to maintain the Coliseum, guys, it's going to cost you $30 million a year to maintain a hotel. 30000000 million. That'll never clear a problem.
2: Okay, I might have to run that through fact check, but the case has been made by a blue-collar bill on Lubbock's Astrodome. Beloved
1: yeah. yeah, yeah and if we have the money, if we have the money to give away that in we have the money to lower my property taxes. They went up on the sixteen percent. I think that's a six percent grab. They're not even entitled to. Okay.
2: All right. So you're for putting twenty-five million in to preserve it?
1: Well, no. I'm not saying I'm for, for putting it in. But do we, can we not put it to work? And do we have to give it away? Okay. Does it does it have to be? a total loss. All right. If we got the, the, the money uh, to give away valuable pieces of property, then we got the money to not go up on the property taxes on my parents' house 16%. I didn't
2: see your name on the ballot this time, blue-collar Bill.
1: Well, you know, I, I promise you, there ain't no, there is no there is no house in Terrytown. There's no house over there that's gone up 16% in value in the last year in Terrytown. It's a neighborhood bill. In, in decline with sh- shootings daily. So you know, like I said, there's a lot of poorly stuff going on, and, I, and I'm not like it. Well, thanks
2: for the take there, blue collar Bill. Have a good week. Yes, it worked. There he goes, away in the eighteen wheeler. Blue collar oh. Bill. Uh, speaking of speaking of automobiles and fixing things somebody can help you get right is our friend Derek Beard at Shift Automotive Group in Lubbock right now you go out to 58th Street past the West Loop you'll find Shift Automotive Group and they will give other side of Texas listeners a $1,000 more on their trade in whatever you're driving if you thought man it's time to look for something else it is time to look for something else with our friends at Shift, Shift into something different. Derek's been working the pavement lots, installed the accessories and financed the deals and now he's got this great dealership. Shift into something you can trust at Shift Automotive Group. Again, just west of Loop 289 on 58th Street. Check them out at Shift. Lubbock.com, that's shiftlubbock.com, 806-993-1094, 993-1094, if you think Leeson's a straight shooter, this is my car guy now, and you can trust him as well, again, another $1,000 on that trade-in, check him out, shiftautomotivegroup.com, coming up this week, We've got state representatives, Ford Price and Garrett Coleman. Ford Price, Republican. I'm Garrett Coleman, Democrat. We're going to talk about the opioid crisis in Texas, in rural Texas, and what's being done about it. What can be done about it as they head into the 86th Legislature? They're both on the sides of doing. It. And Coleman makes this great argument about what's happening with foster care services in Texas in light of the opioid crisis. That's a must listen tomorrow. Wednesday, Texas Tribune Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. Thursday, we'll get into more on this Auditorium Coliseum issue in Texas, and we'll we'll contrast it with the Astrodome, which they just voted to update some I, I don't know the number off the top of my head. I think it's between 100 and 200 million dollars that Houston Knights, Houston Knights, mm-hmm. decided that they would put into that. And then Friday, our good friend Brandon Darby, all of this streaming at OtherSideOfTexas.com. Check us out, OtherSideOfTexas on Facebook, Twitter at ostx show and of course other side of texas.com got to go home got to get home would stay longer but i have an above average supper and a great family waiting until next time thank you for tuning in and tell a oh, friend that you hang out on the other side of texas out, on
1: the home, hit the in alley- building owner